The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Robert L. Thaggard is a retired banking executive and published short story author who's released his debut novel, The Thinker. And he's on with us just now from Dallas, Texas. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Toby. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. So in this book, The Thinker, Major Henry Colton is stationed in war-torn Berlin in the spring of 1946 to serve on the various committees working towards the rebuilding of the city. On the council, all four Allied forces are represented, and there's quite a bit of conflict between the Soviets and the other groups. So without giving too much away, just take it from there if you can. Yeah, it's um, historical fiction, which is a genre that I've always appreciated myself. It's also an LGBTQ romance novel. Mm. The bridge between the historical fiction and it being a gay romance is, it's a coming out story too. Henry has to come out, you know, probably mostly to himself. Yeah. First and foremost, and then to a friend of his, his best friend, etc. Et so um, that's really the bridge between the historical fiction and it being a gay romance. Yeah. And how does he find it in 1946? Because these were very different times. This was just after World War Two. So oh, yeah, man. coming out must have been very difficult. It, it's he he's obviously not out at the office and to the people with whom he works on a daily basis. Yeah. But um, he does find love at the office and uh, they have to, you know, because it is 1946, they have to go away and have weekends together, you know, one or two nights together at, at the very most until they finally get to spend the luxury of seven nights together when they uh, meet each other up in, in Sweden, which is where um, his love interest is from. But uh, yeah, it was it was very difficult back then. And um, it's still not completely easy right now. So <laughs> And what was it that inspired you to make this a dual genre novel with the LGBT romance and the historical fiction? The basis of where it all started was in a uh, a uh, noir class, noir writing class that I took at Southern Methodist University here in Dallas. Uh, my favorite professor was doing uh, noir fiction that that particular um, spring. So um, I love Berlin. 
I've had a probably five decade love affair with that city. So I'm seeing it the first time back in uh, 1978 at the absolute height of the Cold War. I mean, it was hardcore East Germany and West Germany back then. But um, yeah, so chapters two and four in the book are the two short stories that resulted from that particular class. And my buddies at SMU had been on me for a long time. They go, dude, you're such a great writer. You need to do a novel. It's like, <laughs> I'm, not sure. I'm not sure if I'm a novelist. And then um, I, uh, last winter, right after Christmas, I started putting it together. And so that was the foundation upon which I built the entire novel. And I'm part of the LGBTQ community myself. Mm. So I wanted to make that part of the, st- of the story as well. And you actually write the book in the first person, don't you? Is that because maybe you can identify with the character being in the community? Or is it another reason? The main reason is because I'm lazy. I find it very easy to write in the first person and it really helps me invest in the character to to speak it from the first person. It, I took it almost to an extreme to the point where I was I was Henry when I was writing some of the story. Yeah. And I and I fell in love with his love interest. That was the only way I could bring it out was to actually be that guy, put myself in his place and uh, and and live his life through my writing if you will. Yeah. And I don't know why and maybe this is a common thing, but I find it easier to read a book that's done in the first person as well. If you find it easier to write, maybe it's the same reason. Yeah, I'd say so. I'm reading a dear friend of mine, Talia Tate Burner. Her third book is out now. It's written in third person limited. So that's about as close to first person as you can get because you're seeing what her protagonist Bernice is going through from right there looking on top of it, except she's not speaking from Bernice's voice. Third person omniscient, I'd say, is an even more difficult genre to write just because you have to to understand everybody's point of view. And, you know, maybe that's the next book or the book after that. I'm just not there yet. And where did you get your information for this book? Because I'm going to take a wild guess by looking at you and assume that you weren't around in Berlin in 1946. I was not. And, you know, the thing about when you write historical fiction, man, your research has to be spot on because if somebody sees a mistake in it then that 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 blows up the whole thing so yeah i did a bunch of research uh for it also including all the places that are that the uh action takes place in the book i've been to every one of them i've been to berlin i lived in germany i'm from san antonio texas i've been in the texas hill country i did a study abroad in buenos aires i did a study abroad in oxford so um, all the all these places that I talk about in the book, I've been there, feet on the ground, researched everything, and make sure that everything's historically accurate because you you have to be historically accurate or the story can blow up on you. You go to these places in the present day. So how do you know that maybe certain things that are there now were there back in the day? Research, research, research. It's just so absolutely critical to for the credibility of the story to know and read the good thing about you know for example a lot of the story takes place in sweden too i was in sweden this summer because it was 108 degrees back here in texas so (laughs) i found that as a great opportunity to get the hell out of here um and uh, and you go to these places but the thing is in europe places are old you go there and you read the plaque, you you read the web article on it. This place has been here for, for you know, six centuries. And, yeah. 
in America, stuff stuff's new. So um, that's the good thing about writing about things in Europe is they've been there for a long time, and <laughs> it's really easy to find information about it. Apart from all the McDonald's, but even then, who knows how long the buildings have been there? Exactly. Uh, it, the McDonald's can be in a place that was a, a telegraph office yeah. 70 years ago. <laughs> and some parts of the book are written in German. Are you familiar with the language, or did you have to find that out? No, um, I was a German minor the first time around at the University of Texas at Austin, and then I went back and subsequently got a uh, a Bachelor of Arts in the German language. In when I was in my 30s, back in in the 1990s, and I lived in in Munich, and I raced bikes over there too, bicycles, not motorbikes. Um, so I lived with a German family. It was a situation where if you want to eat, you better speak German. So I had a <laughs> So I had a you know full immersion plunge into the German language, but yeah, the thing is, that, you know, I graduated, shoot, graduated from University of Texas in 1995. So that's you know what 27 years ago. So I still do Duolingo very frequently just to keep my German fresh because I can read it and I can write it. But if you want to speak it and hear it, you have to stay current in it. Yeah. Is German a hard language to learn? I mean, it's probably easier than most because it's English is Germanic, isn't it? But it looks hard if you weren't to go any deeper than just looking at it. The, the great thing about German is, yes, it's very difficult. The grammar is difficult. But the thing is, they don't break the rules. English English is the hard language. <laughs> the language that you and I speak together, <laughs> it's a very irregular and really messed up language, kind of like French is. But German is like, once you learn the rules, there's no exceptions. It goes absolutely. If you can say the word in German, you can spell the word in German. If you can spell the word in German, you can say the word in, in German. So it's, yeah, it's hard insofar as you have to learn the rules. But once you learn the rules, it, it's a very, regular language. That's a good language to learn. I wish they were all like that. Yeah. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. No, thank God I'm a native speaker of English because <laughs> our, our, our language is a very difficult language. So why did you decide to write this book now? I'd say pretty much just because um, I found myself at a place where I needed more some additional creative expression. And I was I was not really wanting to write short stories and flash fictions. That's the ones I specialized in in particular. I needed to take a, a deeper dive and I needed to challenge myself. So I challenged myself. I accepted the challenge and... And I did it. Uh, I started it in December. I finished it in, you know, plus or minus April. Then the funny thing is I was talking about this with my friend Talia, who's the author I was uh, referring to earlier. Writing the book is half of the process. Yeah. The other 50% is getting it edited, getting through the proofreader, getting it through your publisher, and actually getting the darn thing printed to where you can hold a copy in your hands. Yeah. Writing it's the first half. And this is your debut novel, but you've got a master's in creative writing from the Southern Methodist University. How long ago was that? And if it was a while ago, why is it taking you till now to do a book? Yeah, I got my... Um, well, the funny thing is I'm still at, believe it or not, at age 61, I'm still at SMU. I'm getting my third master's right now in uh, dispute resolution and conflict management. I got my first master's from there in 2011, got the creative writing one in 2015. And uh, dude, I'm, I'm a nerd. I can't help it. I, <laughs> I just, it, people, the funny thing is my friends, particularly my the friends I know from business are always asking me, so do you like writing papers? And, all that stuff? <laughs> and I say, yeah, it's my passion. I absolutely love it. And so why did it take this long? It, um, it's it been a work in progress that I didn't know was a work in progress until I actually sat down and banged it out on the keyboard. Yeah, I think maybe people are still asking you this, but in this country, the question people would be asking is, do you like paying tuition fees? Well, you know, as much as I like paying taxes, uh, <laughs> which, which nobody likes. But uh, the thing is, the um, programs I've been involved with at uh, Southern Methodist University they're all heavily subsidized by the university too, to where you're paying a lot less than if somebody's going in for an MBA, the master of business administration, they're paying five times what I'm paying for the same semester hours because our program is heavily subsidized. Theirs is not. Theirs is a high demand program. Ours is not a high demand program. So they want people like I to, to be in the program. And how do you think your masters have helped you write this book? Honestly, Chubby, I couldn't have done the book without it, really, because I've had so much formal training in the technical parts and the creative parts, too. My uh, The two people to whom I dedicate the book on page four, uh, Dr. Jeanette Harris, she's an amazing technician who taught me everything I ever needed to know and wanted to know about the grammar of our language. And then Dr. Gary Swaim, 
is just he's a dear departed Gary Swaim now, but he is a, a master of creativity. And I, gosh, I took probably like eight or nine of his classes when I was um, going through my, my various uh, studies at SMU. And for the book, what was the process? Did you know where you were going to finish before you started? No, absolutely not. Uh, I don't outline. I just sit down and write. And uh, the funny thing about my writing process is I've heard other I've heard other people talk about having writer's block before. I'm like, what is that? I, <laughs> I, I don't know what writer's block is. I'm so bad about it that I'm sitting there having to tell myself, okay, dude, you're starving to death. Stop writing. Go eat a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> so writer's block is not something I know anything about. But yeah, I, I just I'd let it flow. Um, this book, I didn't know where it was going until I was in the Argentina section, which is probably about two thirds of the way through the book and the ending came to me and it made perfect sense. But when I sat down to to start writing the book, I had no idea where it was going. I just wrote. So because you didn't do an initial plan, if you like, did you worry before you got to that Argentina section that it wouldn't work out? No, because I, I knew it would come to me. I'm not sure exactly how I knew that, but I knew it would come to me, and um, and it did. It, I went through various permutations of how I yeah. thought it was going to end. There were some. I thought about killing some of the characters, which you can do when you're, you know, when you're in the driver's seat <laughs> like that. And then um, I decided to myself, no, let's um, let, let's keep let's keep let's keep everybody alive and see if we can figure this thing out. Bit of a spoiler there. Nobody dies. Nobody dies. But, but you don't know if they get to live happily ever after. You got to read the book. <laughs> it's true. Was it as smooth as it sounds? Were there still bumps in the road when you were writing the book? Oh yeah, man. The biggest bump in the road was actually a really funny one. Mm. I'm talking about Henry and his best buddy Billy being at University of Texas in Austin in the late 1920s and early 1930s. And they're going out to bars and you know, doing the kind of stuff that college guys do. And I was sitting on a park bench because I'm a thinker myself one day thinking about that particular section of the book. And I was like, oh, no, that's prohibition. They <laughs> couldn't have been at a bar. They couldn't have been at a beer garden. Mm. So I had to go back and, and tweak a lot of stuff just to adjust it to what was the current reality in the United States at that point in time was they were, we were right in the depths of prohibition. <laughs> People were drinking. You just had to be a lot more creative about it. That's so true. I guess it must be so easy to forget about something like that. Yet looking back, it seems so obvious. Do you still worry that now the book is released there might be something major that you've forgotten? No, because I've been through, I've read that stupid book so many times that <laughs> I can almost recite it to you off the top of my head right now. Yeah. I've, I've had those thoughts. I've had those reflections. I've had that level of anguish about it and you know, I challenged anybody to come up with something that I <laughs> not, that I missed on this thing because um, I've been through it and through it and through it. And because it is historic fiction part of it's obviously fiction so was it only the characters that were made up and no elements of historicalness that were made up i didn't make up any of the historical part to it really i'd say the the biggest thing really as far as my creative process went on that is i borrowed a lot from my own life on it yeah the uh the Billy character who's involved in chapters, primarily in chapters five and six, he's he's Henry's uh, first love interest is I had a dude like that 
when I was the same age that, that Billy was, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, Henry was, it wasn't in Fredericksburg, Texas. It was in another small hill country town, which I will not mention just for this, for everybody's sake at this <laughs> for point. For legal but, reasons. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it is a lot of, I, I do write the me story to an extent, um, but you kind of have to write the me story because that's, I think, what gives it a, um, makes it sound, makes it sound true is you have to write from personal experience, share that experience, maybe bend it and twist it a little bit to make it the, your character's experiences, but uh, there's no better source than, than writing here. Do you think now that you've released your first novel, you'll be able to write another one, maybe a sequel to this or another standalone thing? Yeah, this one does not lend itself to a sequel, which people will see once they once they read it. Um, I definitely have a couple other novels in me. One that's one that's set in in London in the 1990s. One that's set in the English countryside in the early 20th century. I spent a lot of time in the UK. So, <laughs> I can tell. That's, that's, that's kind of my uh, my go-to place. But yeah, if, if I want to see how this novel goes and how the type of reaction and feedback I get from it. But yeah, there's definitely, definitely at least two more novels, neither of which have anything to do with The Thinker. Well, that sounds exciting. And in the meantime, where can we find your debut novel, The Thinker? It's on Amazon.com, both as an e-book, a paperback, and a hardcover. So that's three different um, media through which you can get it. Barnes and Noble as well. They both have a good synopsis on the the page about my book, telling you kind of what it's about. And uh, you know, people can they can go to the author's website too. And if they want to sign copy i'll be happy to sell it to him at amazon's price plus shipping and what is the link for that author's website my publisher is still coming up with it right now it's it's that new because i'm I'm going through um kindle direct kdp kindle direct publishing but i'll be posting it uh, very soon great i'll make sure you know what it is too yeah well many thanks for joining us it's been great to talk to you thank you so much toby and i appreciate your time a lot this has been very enjoyable Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365 day returns. The throbbing pulse of sound, the Toby Gribben Show.